0: Liquid Sky. One of the first films to explicitly depict and discuss pansexuality, androgyny, and gender queerness in any substantial way. It is also an essay on toxic masculinity, ingrained homophobia, and the ingrained misogyny of both overground and underground culture. The film's hyper-stylized, neon-soaked aesthetic, and aggressively bizarre, completely electronic score has continued to influence fashion, music, and pop culture in general since initial release in 1983. Oh, and on top of all that, it's a science fiction picture, and the male and female leads are played by the same person, queer icon Anne Carlyle, who joins myself and James St. James for this in-depth exploration of the themes, messages, and magic of Liquid Sky. Before we begin, though, it's time for the trigger warning. Liquid Sky does contain scenes of sexual assault and in this episode we do discuss all aspects of the film. As you can likely imagine, we do tread lightly, but there is no avoiding this subject matter. Regarding how to see this film, my recommendation is getting the Vinegar Syndrome Blu-ray, which was lovingly restored and released a few years ago. Now if you can't get a Blu-ray right now, if you're not in the position to, or maybe don't even have a Blu-ray player, which by the way, what are you doing? Get a Blu-ray player. Poke around on the internet, you might even be able to find one on the old YouTubes. But promise me, you will not watch a rip of the VHS. Despite everyone loving the VHS aesthetic currently, it looks terrible on the VHS. Trust me, I had it. And if you want to see it on the big screen, it'll pop up now and then. There's a good chance the print was well-worn because it did play for years upon initial release. But in the last two years alone, I know that uh, my favorite place, the New Beverly Cinema, as well as the Rio Cinema in Dalston, England, had screenings. Stick around after the main show to get a taste of what's coming next week on Movie Club Mondays. And now, time for my chat with Anne Carlyle and James St. James about Liquid Sky. Liquid Sky. Hi Ann, how are you?
1: Uh, well, I had a technical hiccup here at this end too.
0: Okay, perfect.
1: <laughs> I couldn't do it in the patio. It wouldn't work. So
0: Well, this is a perfect uh scenario. Though uh, are those your artworks behind you?
1: Yes. Well
0: that's yes. even that's even better than a patio then. That's great.
1: There's another one over there. It's hard to see.
0: Yeah, it's okay though, but but it adds to the uh the milieu, you know. And can you hear me okay? Okay. Yeah.
1: Yeah, let me, I don't, uh, I need I can more
0: tr- volume. Uh, I can turn my volume up too, because I have. Uh, oh, great. Is that good? Okay, yeah. That's better, yeah. Yeah, because I feed uh, two separate, like uh, two separate recording devices, so I never know, uh, and I don't hear the one I'm sending you, so that's why I have to check, because I don't want to also be sending distorted line and all that. So um, thanks again for joining me for the Liquid Sky Movie Club. Yeah, oh, and I just, oh, whoops, I'm sorry, I, I missed that. What's that?
1: It's, no, no, it's very nice to be here. I, I I'm uh amazed that people still find it interesting after all this time.
0: <laughs> really? Yeah. I, I suppose that makes sense because you made the piece, right? So when you make the piece, sometimes it has uh sort of the same qualities as not necessarily yearbook photos or a piece that you made or something, but you view it in a completely different way and as a part of your past. But I think one of the main One of the many things, reasons it resonates today is that it's so um, of the time still when it talks about sexuality, uh, gender roles, pansexuality in particular. I don't know if there's another film that actually said the words that you said in the film about... Oh, go ahead.
1: You have to understand that when, you know, before the movie happened... I was so isolated in my feelings and I had hair like this and I cut it all off and I was running around in a mini skirt and men's shoes with a man's haircut. And, you know, of course, no one else was doing that. (laughs) No (laughs) one else was doing that. I just didn't, I was trying to find where I belonged and I called in my mind, I called myself an androgen which Mm -hmm. there's no such thing. I just made it up. And uh, I, you know, I was running around to the clubs all the time. When we made the movie, uh, I had to split that, you know, so it worked.
0: And when you say split that, because I heard you in another interview referring referring to the Margaret and Jimmy split as a split of yourself hatred, so I'm curious as to what your definition of split is, and I'd also like to welcome James St. James to the hey, show. Uh,
2: hi, yes, oh my gosh, have we already started? Am I late?
0: No, we just started, but of course you know how this, my show is—like we just start talking and then and inevitably we get into the topic. But it's a perfect time for you to appear because we're talking about clubs and we'll get into everything the uh, pre that and post that. But of course, uh, two more infamous and beloved denizens of the New York club scene of the early 80s couldn't be found uh, more than you two.
2: <laughs> <laughs> I wanted to um, paint little squiggles on my face in honor of Anne, oh, but I didn't have enough time. But I do think that my pajamas sort of look oh, like yeah. white, the white mask. Yeah, yes. yes. White mask.
0: <laughs> <laughs> and I'm happy to see that we're all wearing patterns as well. <laughs>
2: Loud, loud,
0: loud. <laughs> <laughs> and i tried my best i have the hue lighting system so I was, you know i couldn't quite get the neon effect but you know just like the hazy pinky purple it's as oh, close it as works. we can get yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and, and james we get to see ann's artwork behind her
2: oh oh nice. let me see let me see oh nice oh, oh well, gorgeous. I,
1: I had you know i was set up in the patio and i was going to show you the one i'm working on now uh, but uh, unfortunately, I it, it wasn't receiving any signal out there.
0: Oh yeah, it always
1: did before. But you know, it's raining.
0: Right. Well, there could be an alien craft on the next building. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> that's-
2: where are you now, Anne? Florida. Oh, we're in Florida, Boynton Beach. Boynton. I'm a, a Fort Lauderdale girl. That's why. That's why I grew up. Ah. And my now my dad is in Tampa, so I go. So I'm there. I mean, um, uh. uh yeah, I, th- I go there a little bit sometimes. In Wilton Manors.
1: Well, you know, I was in New York for like 28 years and then my parents became ill. So I moved back down. And then for a while I had, you know, I, was, I had a place in New York where I was moving back and forth. But uh, then right before COVID, I s- sold it. And, you know, because we had a very small elevator. Mm. uh-huh and people were getting sick from the elevator oh, oh right i had a dear friend die really from oh uh, yeah she got sick and she died i'm so sorry the elevator so uh it's a deco building it was a deco building it's still there but you know it was they don't only have small elevators so it was very you know Jeremy, yeah yeah Germany. yeah yeah huh And I I was on the top floor, of course.
0: In the penthouse. (laughs) 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 Can't get rid of that taste for penthouses. Although, when you left the uh, filming of the movie, you had to move out of the place, right? Uh, Or you chose to, rather, from what I understand. I chose
1: to. It was very uncomfortable. It was cold in the winter and hot in the summer. Uh, It had a great view, but it was not a practical living space. And uh, the super thought that yeah he developed a crush, so they gave him some beer during the <laughs> during the filming, and he used to come and serenade under my window. There was no security,
2: by the way, so yeah. I didn't feel really terrifically safe. Wait, there. you you actually lived in the the penthouse apartments that that you filmed in? That that was your apartment? You know, it's a very small
1: budget movie, but my sure. girlfriend lived there. Uh, and uh, she told me she was leaving it. So I grabbed the lease uh, and we had kind of set it there from the beginning. You know, we, we had an idea that this would be the place because she had told me she was leaving, yeah.
2: It looked like it was um uh, very high up. How, what floor was it?
1: 28, and, 28. It, and uh, we tried to get back up there to do like a documentary thing. And they wanted a huge
2: amount of money as they do to let yeah.
1: anyone mm-hmm. back up there. They
2: know. <laughs> yeah.
0: Right. And which is probably
2: floors downtown. I mean that, yes, that must've been quite a view that that was really spectacular. It was
1: a really nice view. Yeah.
2: Nice. Yeah.
0: I heard you describe it in another interview as beautiful but uncomfortable, which I think could also apply to most of the characters. I was going
2: to say, well, <laughs> at every apartment I've ever had in New York, <laughs>
3: <laughs> yes,
2: has either been comfortable but a, but a shithole view, or yes. <laughs> or vice versa.
0: There's yes. always a thing at the end where we're so, well, but it's got a nice view or something like that, right? Like at yeah. the end, it's you like can no, you like, never
2: get both. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah.
1: I have to tell you, I've lived more disgusting places in New York <laughs>
0: than,
1: I, than anyone so far that I've talked
2: to.
0: <laughs> Interesting. I wonder if you and James could have a gross off for. Uh,
2: i lived for a, a brief period in the tenement hotel up in harlem where billy holiday died oh, wow. and oh. i could hear her ghost moaning in the hallway <laughs> everyone just said that it was the drug addicts but i knew it was the ghost of billy holiday of
0: course of course because she was oh. moaning why did i have to die here and not in any of the other nice places that I stay. At and there, yeah. there were there were
2: rats, and so I slept in the cupboard that was above above the sink, so that they couldn't get to me in my sleep.
0: <laughs> I love all those little New York quirks about, like, well, I sleep up there because you know the rats can't get me, which is you just don't yeah. hear that in that many places.
2: And the, there was this one rat that kept getting bolder and bolder, and he would come up to me, and like first of all, he I'd have a broom, and I could sort of smack at him. Then he wasn't scared of the broom, and then he, was, he would come up, and he would just sort of stand there like like challenging me and- yeah give me cheese <laughs> <Yes>.
0: <laughs> that makes me think of another aspect of the film as well there's uh, I mean you see it with Margaret but the sort of the more that comes at the character and I think as New Yorkers the more you sort of are inured to and the 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 le- the more jaded you are in terms of danger in all of that which especially seems to be the case in the late 70s and the early 80s in New York
1: well it's also you know very, very much about trauma. So yeah. she's so, so traumatized; so she doesn't feel anything anymore. <laughs>
0: yeah. Well, right, right, yeah. And and every romantic relation is horrible. And yeah. as and, and I love the how it's pointed out in the speech uh, when you're doing the the glow in the dark paint. If that's the yes. right term for what is that? Yes, yes. Yeah, uh, yeah, the, the, the,
2: when everyone comes to New York, uh, yeah.
0: That and then well,
1: my a- friend Marcel Fivet came up with that. And he, he was the makeup artist for Margaret on the film. Um, Yeah. There was a, he always thought in terms of what's going on and what are we going to do with the makeup? Yeah.
0: Right.
2: I I was taught to be fashionable, to be an independent woman, uh, uh, to be um, fashionable is to be androgynous and I am androgynous, not, not less than David Bowie himself. (laughs) <laughs> uh, that that is a fantastic ending and speech. It's just it's it's mind blowing.
0: A- am I correct that Slava is it Zuckerman? Is that how you pronounce Slava's yes. last name? Slava Zuckerman. Is that the speech that he wrote, kind of the day of, to summarize yes. things? Yes. Oh, okay. We were
1: going to shoot the scene, and he said something is missing, and he yeah he wrote that.
2: Delicious, delicious! Oh, how boring! <laughs> <laughs> and,
0: and another aspect of uh, one of the many that I love about the speech is that it kind of—it's almost like—is that all there is? The Peggy Lee yeah. number, because uh, you know, in Connecticut, they t- trained you to do this. Look for this Prince Charming, and I rejected that. Those set of that set of values, and I came here. It's supposed to be better, but it's no better. As we also see in in, in quite plain detail with, with the horrible bullying and uh, um teasing that goes on in oh, the yeah, that, uh, fashion great. show
2: it, it is is which is worse is it worse to be bored to death or is it worse to be bullied to death you know yes. i mean like yeah it's, it's choose your poison choose your choose your death um yeah. it's it's amazing to me watching it i watched it last night and again this morning how um you th- you think that it's retro, but so many, every one of the themes of gender fluidity, of sexual fluidity, of sexual battery and sexual assault are things that are just, we are talking about now, 40 years later, that finally it, we're getting around to having this national discussion when we should have been discussing it 40 years ago.
1: Yeah, well, you know, this was happening for people that, uh, uh, were outside of society, but you could live in New York for very cheap then because nobody wanted to live there. It was a crime-ridden zone. So we we, we all went out. And everyone knew that the club kids didn't have any money.
0: <laughs> so yeah. they, weren't, they
1: weren't trying to rob us. <laughs>
0: yeah.
1: So we, we ran around all the time in the middle of the night. It but, was, you, you- know...
2: Do you think that because uh, New York is becoming a crime-ridden shithole again, that that ha- has a possibility to ever happen again?
1: Only if the rents go down.
2: Yeah. Yeah. And they don't seem to be, do they?
1: No. Yeah. People need a, a cheap rent in order to be artists. They, they need space to work. And, you know, unfortunately, it got too expensive for the people to stay there. They, they all left.
2: Yeah. Yeah. It's a shame. Do you, do you go back to New York? Do, do you, do you still love it? Or have you, if you got I love
1: it. But, uh, you know, when I sold, we just sold our apartment there. Uh, so of course I love it. Yeah. But uh, it isn't, it isn't what it was. And it's it's you not my New York. go back.
0: Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. The both of you kind of have the, I remember James, you telling me that about New York. Uh, and when was the last time you went back to New York, James?
2: Um, right pre COVID I went and I, it, I think I, I, I mentioned to you that I go in for three days, I have a great time. And then on the fourth day I say, okay, enough. Uh, I'm, I'm a little irritated now. Sure.
3: <laughs>
0: and, and I yeah. never really had a, much of a New York experiences except going with my parents to, you know, see whatever at Christmas time. But then in the last few years, pre-COVID, of course, I had two solo trips, which were great. And I know a bunch of people on the Lower East Side and like go to Club Coming. And I, now there's like the Q Club. I think that's the first mega club, especially a queer mega club there in a really long time from what I know. Oh, so, yeah, yeah, yeah. Is that
2: but, the one that
0: Lance Bass did? Is that- uh, no, it's, uh, it is, it. It is. Um, oh my God, I'm forgetting the name. <laughs> it's terrible. Uh, I should look it up because uh, you know who it is? It's Frankie Sharp. And uh, one of the partners is Jake Shears and oh, Charlie Carver. Right. So it's uh, sort of um, by the community for the community, which is nice. That's but nice. It is nice. And uh, but back to the speech again, though, because uh, and also earlier in the dialogue, when the uh, one of the awful men, is asking you, I think the failed artist junkie, I forget the character's name, but the failed artist junkie who's making his wife's life misery, misery now, um, because the film also talks extensively about toxic masculinity before you know, there was a term so ha- readily used for it. But uh, when that character's coming over to score dope from Adrian, and he's hassling you. And of course, you mentioned a minute ago uh, the super hassling you. So it seems like there was a lot of guys hassling you, which I'm sure you drew from quite a bit when you made the film. But uh, it feels, there's so many things to talk about. I feel like I'm cramming too many into one sentence, but I will get to this. Uh, He is uh, sort of um, badgering you or badgering Margaret about whether or not you're gay, do you like men and all this? And your character and Margaret says basically like, why do I have? Why does it have to be a man or a woman? I just like who I like. Which that sentiment also, I don't think I heard in a film. Yeah, almost anywhere else.
2: Yeah. Well, that,
0: go that, ahead.
1: That's truly how I am. So you know, at that time, I didn't know anyone else like that. <laughs> Right, so it's nice that I can see people saying that now and they don't have to choose and they don't have to choose which gender. I think it's great, and i you know, I and I uh I'm relieved that uh, this is probably you know, like people are f- finally feeling they can say that out loud and you know, yeah, who they are,
2: and that, that there are words now gender queer and gender fluid and and you know. LGBTQ and all, all the different letters that that weren't there when I was growing up. And that it's it now if, if I would have known that there was something like, you know, gender fluidity, I think I might have had a happier childhood problem. Yes, yes,
1: of course. Um, at that time, to say you were bisexual is very unpopular because to Dykes, it meant you weren't really ready to come out. <laughs> yeah, sure. And and they were trying to be you know like very strong and not and not to acquiesce and uh, uh, so it wasn't it wasn't a it wasn't a very popular term.
2: So, it, so I think people believed that you were either on your way to one or the other, and that there was no such thing. It was sort of like you were copping out, and that's yeah, yeah certainly not yeah. not true. But that seemed to be the idea back then.
0: It seems like sort of a gang mentality, which unfortunately, as pointed out in the movie so many times too, no matter what's going on, people seem to slip back into this um, Lord of the Flies type of behavior. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) And uh, it's particularly depressing uh, when it's in already oppressed groups and then there's further oppression within. Yeah,
1: within the group. Yeah.
0: And so I imagine that experiencing that as well during that time before the making of the film it must have been just further alienating.
1: Yeah, and there, I remember it was after the movie and there was some kind of, was it act up? It was some kind of political thing and we were all on a roof and they were going to close down the tu- one of the tunnels as a protest. And they said, okay, those of you who are not ready to go to prison should leave now because the FBI are
0: here (laughs) (laughs) and
1: we're serious. We're going to do this. (laughs) But they were like excluding all those who didn't want to go to jail (laughs) to leave the room immediately.
0: (laughs) Because maybe you weren't tough enough. Because there's also that. Yeah.
1: yeah.
0: Because I guess also the the craziness too was um, only exacerbated by the AIDS crisis and the lack of government um, Uh, attention in, in any uh, direction so extremism sort of pops up and
2: but i i do think that you know when you think about the scene where you know during the photo shoot when everyone is screaming you know singing old mcdonald's or whatever it was they <laughs> <were> singing, <laughs> and that there is always a sense of uh elites hazing the, mm-hmm. the the new kids or or there's a lot of mean girl mentality sometimes downtown and you have to, you have to be tough enough. to. to Well, uh, at least
1: during the new wave there was, I mean, you weren't even, you hung out together, but you weren't that nice to each other. Oh yeah. There were some people (laughs) who were nice, but uh, uh, not many.
2: (laughs) Yeah. It's, it's it's very true. I mean, even, I remember very much um, when I first came to town and it was like during the area uh time in denseteria um and area was intimidating they were not welcoming you here welcome newcomer it was (laughs) it was they put you through your paces and yes yes you had to you had to it was trial by fire you know and that is sort of the way of downtown i i think it's maybe a little nicer now i I don't i don't know i don't know what the the new kids are but i imagine it's probably
0: it seems that way. for I, I don't know. I'm, you know, I have to tell you, I,
1: I, I have space to work here and I'm happy in my making my things, but, uh, uh, I am a terrible networker and I have, <laughs> I have absolutely no, uh, no, I don't know how to go about promoting myself in terms of my artwork. So I just make it. uh, if you're not in new york i guess there isn't any way to access that anyway
2: well are you do you are you a social media person do you are you savvy on instagram and twitter and all that
1: not that savvy i i yeah. am on i am on uh, i'm on facebook mm-hmm. and i'm on uh instagram
0: oh you're uh, on instagram okay what's your handle on instagram because i think people would really like to follow you yeah <laughs> we can find that out later too, and just add it in. <laughs> I think
1: it's Liquid Sky. Okay. Uh, Liquid Sky. Uh, I don't know what it is.
0: Okay. Well, I'll check it out and I'll put it in the episode description and the notes. Okay. Well, I,
2: you, you know. Oh, and I have
1: a I have a website that I'm trying to make more usable, which is called Gallery.com.
2: Okay. Okay. Well, that's good.
0: Now the. Um, the way you described social media and everything and your sort of feelings towards it and networking. I, I heard another interview where you talked about the casting process post-Liquid Sky, and it seems like there's a parallel there. <laughs> <laughs> no of course I,
1: I could I went to LA and I didn't understand what they were talking about. I couldn't make any sense of it. I didn't I didn't know what what they meant or what they wanted i I was so confused and you know you know i came there from the club world and i was like what it seemed like like uh it wasn't based on talent at all but connections and you know it it was very strange and i i knew i couldn't live there so uh yeah
0: now what about the cachet from the movie did that Help or hinder? Because sometimes it seems like when something is so unique and so brilliant, particularly in that era when there was uh, fewer venues, right, to go to, you couldn't sort of be a social media presence or have a YouTube channel. Um, did that um, make casting directors uh, sort of narrow cast you or put you in a box? Uh,
1: yeah, that kind of put me in a box. But also, I have to say that I was in a box because. The character was so close to who I was, Mm -hmm. and I was trying to break, and it wasn't. It was a creation, but it was also very close to me. So uh, getting out of that and deciding where I wanted to go was a challenge.
0: Sure. Sure. Um, did you ever read scripts that you thought, oh, I, I could do something with this, but then it just didn't work out? Or did you ever find other material that spoke to you?
1: I read a lot of scripts that I could not understand what the movie was about. <laughs> I couldn't figure yeah. it out because I was looking for something that was about something.
0: Yeah. Big mistake, apparently. It, yes. <laughs> yes. It was I, a big yes. mistake.
2: I, I want to um, talk me. And I life. would pass on them and they
1: they like, what do you want? And I, I just wanted something that was um, a script that was about something.
0: Yeah. Oh, and James, uh, before we move on to that, which I do want to... Uh i want to mention two of the roles that i'm familiar with from your post liquid sky career um miami vice because it's one of my favorite shows of all time and I, I love your appearance on that and then i was shocked to find out i had no idea that you were the person in the bar in crocodile dundee in the horribly transphobic moment from crocodile dundee what
3: are you drinking gwendolyn oh,
1: no more thanks mick
2: i must be getting on home right. where's uh where's home sweetie
1: just around the corner. I have a little place
2: where I live all by my lonesome Not now. Most of the
1: time, that is. Oh. Must, uh, must get a bit lonely, eh? Thank <laughs> you for a bit of, uh, male company. Do I ever.
2: Thank uh, you. Excuse me, Gwendolyn. Don't go away, love.
1: I've been trying to tell you all night. That girl, she's a guy. What? A man dressed up as a girl.
2: <laughs> oh! Hey, that was a guy. Guy dressed up like a Shayla. Look at that.
1: Where you on you? Transphobic moment, and they couldn't find that he w- didn't want to touch a man. So they found me who wanted to make the most beautiful man they've ever seen. I really wanted that character to be gorgeous, yeah and uh, and seductive and everything everything a, a transvisite can be. and uh, and instead of it being something uh, a moment to be pr- he put his fingers inside of me during the act. Actual- what? take. Oh. He rammed his fingers up inside of me.
0: Oh my god.
2: This got the uh, Donald Trump move.
0: Yeah, well, Paul Hogan, all the stories about him just get worse really? and worse. This is the worst one, obviously, that oh I've heard. Oh god. That, that's horrifying. Uh, it,
1: it was horrifying, and I, I was uh, I was very of, uh, uh, you know,
0: understandably. Upset.
1: I was upset, but that was the end of the take, and then it was over, and I thought there's nothing I can do about it. I mean, what am I going to do now? You know, complain to the director. He probably told him to do it.
0: Well, yeah, it, that whole disgusting system of like, oh, that's the star and the co funder of the film. What am I going to possibly do? You know what? Tell your agent, like, that's going to do something. Oh, she's difficult.
2: Yeah. 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 I do. I want to say, though, that... Um, that uh, when you say you wanted to make him the most beautiful boy ever that he, Jimmy is yeah. one of the most beautiful boys <laughs> I've ever seen on film. Um, and just to see him, I, I just, I, he, he a horrible, horrible character, but damn, he's beautiful. Yeah. And he reminds me of John sex. It, it it's someone who there I, was
1: actually a boy that this character was based on. Yeah. And you know, he, he was an NYU student and a club goer, and uh, uh, we modeled together, and I wrote the part for him, but he was so unprofessional, he was too close to him, and he couldn't play it. He wow. wouldn't, he didn't show up for rehearsals, and...
2: Uh, Is that, um, that's how you became Jimmy? Is that, uh, you had, yeah. you actually had, a, a, and then you said, well, I'll, I'll just step in and do it? That's fascinating. Yeah. Wow. And you did you did such an amazing job. It's it's funny to me because I see other beautiful boys that I know. Uh, I see um, David Ilku in it, and yes. um, Benjamin Liu, who I who I knew very well, Johnny Dinell. Yes. Um, uh, and then I also just fe- remembered how much I fell in love with Tom Cody. Co- Co- Cody. Oh yes, yes. Oh, what a beautiful, beautiful boy that was. I don't think I'd ever seen him before. And I don't think I've ever seen him anywhere since.
1: Well, I think he died.
2: Oh, did he? Yeah, so from many boys drugs. Did I think he it. died from drugs. Oh.
1: And Roy, Roy, Roy uh, was in it and he died from AIDS. Yeah, a lot of people died.
2: So, so many people did not, of those beautiful boys did not make it through the yeah. 80s. Um, yeah. Also, just very quickly, the, um uh gosh no, uh, take your
0: time james because uh, this is why I, I was so happy to have you part of this because i had uh, a feeling that you would bring a really terrific perspective to it
2: well paula too paula is one of those great characters and one of the great faces you know, in the there was
1: another person who was supposed to play paula
2: really <laughs>
0: wow
1: but uh she turned it down <laughs> but she you know th- there's a person it was based on okay so uh she turned it down but Paula did a fantastic job fantastic but Paula was a fantastic actress nothing like this character she was nothing like that character and she made it her own and she did a fabulous job and then she disappeared and she didn't want she doesn't want it to have anything to do with the movie now wow. i suspect she had a couple of children and she doesn't
2: <laughs> yeah that's what i Portland or something isn't she now she's like on the west she's somewhere in the west coast well
1: the last i heard she was a yoga teacher on the west coast but that doesn't mean she didn't go on with her life and get. you know what i'm saying i yeah. suspect they didn't want us to contact them the sister yeah. told us to leave her alone
0: oh so, wow okay so
1: I don't know what happened. Maybe she'd become a Republican or
2: something. Oh, I hope not. There's some, I that. The, yeah,
0: that but sounds he, like there's something there where it's almost like with Sid Barrett and Pink Floyd, they couldn't mention the words to him when he was in the last 20 years of his life because he would go into like a, a nasty, like a, a dark fugue state. So I don't <laughs> know. It, that's what it sounds like. I mean, I don't know. It's such a issue
2: because she has that face that. You cannot believe she is anything other than that character. Like she does, the just to oh no, she
1: was nothing like that character. She's just a great actress. <laughs> well,
2: what, a was dead dead like? actress. what was
0: she like? What uh, was she like? Yeah, tell, tell to me hang out about with. her
2: because I'm I'm fascinated by her.
0: And, and also the, the other uh, the other aspect of her film career is because she's kind of a oh, um, film legend because her other role is Alice Sweet Alice, which right. another, yeah. another, great, another great family film by the way. <laughs> 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 So, what was she like as a person?
1: Very talented, very easy to get along with. A very sweet lady, really.
0: Yeah.
2: And the the, the spoken word that she did, the spoken word poetry, and and the my rhythm box and all of that. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
3: yeah. Me and my rhythm
1: box.
2: Me and my rhythm box. Was that, that was all written and, and rehearsed and everything, or how much of it was improvised? Yeah, we rehearsed
1: or- everything ahead of time because we had no money. Mm. So you, you can't improvise if you have no money. <laughs> you, you know, we really, you know, and we were doing it on 35 millimeter. So we couldn't waste film. A lot of, a lot of the work was one take.
0: Mm. Didn't you say once you had one chance to get it right, and if you didn't get exactly. it right, it's still going. One well,
1: chance to get it right.
2: <laughs> that makes the the climbing up the the ladder in the wedding gown very <laughs> tricky. Because if you tripped, what would you? I mean, like you. you hey, and listen, that ladder
1: had ice on it. It was cold.
2: Uh-huh. <laughs> I was, I, I literally, my heart, I was grabbing, clutching my heart, my pearls, hoping we <laughs> were, were going to be okay. It was sort of reminding me a little of King Kong climbing yes. up <laughs> at the very end. Yeah. And yeah. then that dance that you do, that was spectacular. The- it was
1: on the edge of the roof and there oh. was ice everywhere. And I really thought I might fall. I did. Uh, yeah. I didn't tell the director because I knew we needed the shot and, you know,
2: there was no choices.
0: Was this the last shot in the schedule? Because you're like, well, if I go, I mean, at least it's good for the publicity. <laughs> yes.
2: <laughs> and and was that a, a, a dance that you created? Who who choreographed that or did? Was oh, that? No,
1: I did all kind of weird dances in the club. I was a very weird dancer.
2: Oh, you, there was and, a chicken dance that, that everybody that knew. chicken dance. Yeah, there was uh-huh. all these
1: kind of weird dances I did all the time. So <laughs> no, that was my one of my weird dances.
2: It's he just,
1: you know, and Slava did tell me he what, what kind of what he wanted. I knew they were going to edit it so it looked even jerky. Er, jerky,
2: so. yeah, hmm. yeah. And then also one of my favorite things is all your childhood pictures and your teenage pictures when we have the flashback. And it's just, it's so beautiful to see. Uh, did they have to talk you into using real pictures or was no, that?
1: No, I had them. I let them use them. Uh, you know, uh, I am from Connecticut.
0: <laughs> yeah. So
1: I had all those like strange, you know, uh, I had a bunny. You know.
0: <laughs> well, I, I I the thing about that that really touched me the last on the last viewing was everyone then starts to say I'm from Philadelphia, I'm from this place, that place. And I think it kind of says at least what I get from it is look, we're all this if you want to say awkward or cute, whatever however you interpret those childhood photos. That's who we all are. And so then when we all attack each other as happens after that because you know uh it seems like adrian is envious of the seemingly normal apple pies on the uh porch you know scenario because then she tells a story which is a horrifying story about her mother being out of the mental hospital and pissing on a bunch of strangers and then says like well we'll beat that where it seems like everything is just becoming a competition there's just like no feeling other than anger and uh envy left and then sort of what to do after that when that's the the milieu that you're floating
1: in yes right what do you do
0: what do you do and then also uh the other aspect of that scene when everyone's saying it's singing old mcdonald and everything so margaret is the object of everyone's um gaze and then the anger about that comes out in there which is also seen with the men's gaze because they're staring at her they want her in whatever way that is usually Uh, nefarious and then when they can't have her then it gets ugly because their will is being challenged
2: well that is the story of of female kind isn't it you know since the beginning of time i
1: don't know a woman who hasn't been brutalized in her life in some way or another this is part of this heterosexual football mentality you know this is this is america
0: Right.
2: I wonder if something about the early 80s, how, you know, we had just experienced the sexual revolution of the 70s and it was sort of like popcorn popping and everybody was trying everything and seeing how many boundaries they could push and getting hurt, but not really having time to pick yourself up and and deal with it until a, a decade later or something where... I think people were. Oh,
1: look what happened. They state women won the right to what? Be a housewife, service their husband, have a job, take care of the kids. They couldn't do it all. They couldn't do it all. Nobody can do it all. Yeah. There wasn't any freedom in that. It was like you have to you still had to
2: choose. (laughs) Yeah. But I I wonder if people didn't have time to. to, uh really realize what the sexual revolution would entail and uh because it was happening so fast that i think a lot of boundaries were being broken a lot of a lot of trust was being broken that that just in the name of being sexual you know yes sexual freedom that probably needed to be thought out a little bit more
1: yes oh i agree with that yeah yeah and there's a lot of hostility in sex. Oh, yeah. You know.
0: Well, I love how that, that's presented when, especially when Margaret has, you know, had it with Jimmy and she's going to kill Jimmy. and But she tricks Jimmy into thinking that Jimmy's getting his way, but also is taunting Jimmy because Jimmy's so broken. And so obviously uh, still suffering from masculine images or ideals, right? That right. to say you're a beautiful boy is that it's true yeah. and it's a and it's like and Jimmy's a beautiful boy but it, Jimmy hates it. It can't stand that. So that's more again back to the self-hatred thing that I heard you mention and something else. I think that's fascinating too to see the self-hatred in uh the characters.
2: Yes. And he that's can't he's he's terrified of what she's about to do to him. Like on some level he knows that this is his end, you know, and everyone is watching him and I kept thinking, how is he even going to orgasm? How how is this even going to be possible? Because he's just, she's just coming for him like a shark. <laughs>
3: <laughs>
0: and my interpretation as well, and I wanted to see what you thought of this, both of you, is that uh, part of the reason he's so upset is that he might not be able to get it up for a woman, even though women are "quote unquote" gross and all of this. Yet that is still so ingrained that that's what you're supposed to do. That that is yeah. causing the schizzle.
1: exactly exactly you got it. He well, doesn't have, know if he can do it, so he's yeah.
2: Have any of these characters known like a moment of happiness? I mean, does does Margaret ever was she ever, was she ever happy? Will she did she ever be happy?
1: I uh, hmm. that's a Which, very good question. Mm.
2: I want her to have had a moment of No, I think somewhere. that
1: the creativity that goes into her mm. preparing to go out. Uh, and, then. and also in, in demonstrating uh, her, her uh, artistic thing is, I mean, very freeing for all the characters, really. Because yeah. uh, that's the good thing about the new wave, was that everyone was trying different creative things. And it didn't really matter if you had done it before. You tried anyway. So that's, yeah. that was freeing in the new wave.
2: Yeah, I think you're right. I think there's the, the a couple. And of there was a were-
1: lot of sex workers in the new wave, by the way. A
2: yeah. lot of
1: women that were dancing uh, were doing that so they could go out at night. So they could uh, be part of that creativity because they didn't have any way to make a living and yeah. still go out at night. I mean, did, didn't you find that? To, oh, did you? Did maybe you didn't know that many women?
2: Uh, no, no, I did. In fact, I, I lived with with some sex workers and uh, who who would do you know like phone sex all morning long, and you know whatever to do so they could buy their outfits to go out at night. You know
1: exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. There was a lot of that.
2: But I, I do think that there there's there are a couple scenes where you see her putting on the makeup and drawing, and she's sort of lost in the beauty of what she's creating and i think you're right i think that is her moment of zen that's her moment of of happiness
0: even adrian because when she's punching her thigh and singing about owen yeah. dead on on the bed that's she's That seems like the only time she's like kind of content as well. (laughs) I mean, she seems to kind of get a lot of thrills out of being horrible to Margaret. But besides (laughs) that, uh, (laughs) when she's singing uh, uh, Me and My Rhythm Box as well, which incidentally, you know, is a huge influence on a lot of electronic musicians, uh, particularly like acts like Tracy and the Plastics. Uh, I know Fisher Spooner has listed the movie as being uh, a big influence. Well,
1: you know, in November, uh, they've invited me to come to New York There's a photography show that's based on um, people that were influenced by Liquid Sky.
0: So they're going to fly
1: me there. Uh, You know, I'm not Margaret. I don't know what they expect,
2: but I'm (laughs) going.
0: Well, they'll probably be nicer than the photo shoot in the film. (laughs) 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 Well,
2: you know, I do know, talking about hazing people, I had a, a VHS copy. And if I would meet someone new, I would bring them home from the club and I would play Liquid Sky, and that was the litmus test. <laughs> if, if, if they said, oh, my God, that's so cool, I knew we could be friends. If they said, this is weird. I don't get it. I knew they were out. So yes. I, I did a little of the mean girls, too, using Liquid Sky. is well, my
0: Well, I'm sure you were very pleasant about it, though. I think that's a self-protection <laughs> device. more than anything else. James, how did you find the sort of sexual politic of the time when you moved to New York in terms of what we were talking about before with the sides taking side, people taking sides and, uh, or the bisexual, the thought of bisexuality, et cetera.
2: The sexual politics was not even really an issue when I got there because there was, that just wasn't even there.
0: It was like a (laughs) politics free (laughs) zone. Yeah. Yeah, Like, like, like Thanksgiving dinner, politics free zone, uh, ideally, but, uh, the, um, what we uh, we were just saying about something and I forgot, but so I'm going to ask about drugs. Uh, drugs, of Sticky course. Segue. <laughs> <laughs> well, if you're not sure what to talk about, let me ask get a drink of drug. water before we stick with this one. <laughs> <laughs> uh, um, having a lovely time, and thank you very much. This is a uh, really wonderful chat. So oh, I hope no,
2: Thank you. Oh, I know. I'm so I've, I've just been so excited all week for for this. I'm so oh, happy.
0: Same here. Same here. This is uh, this
2: is my zen. This is my happy place right well, now.
0: Well, same here. You know what I mean? Uh, and to be able to talk about this with the two of you is such a delight. Can you tell me about your drug experiences, Anne, before the film? Because it seems like well, there was I a lot of research everything.
1: done. I tried everything. I tried everything. And I'm one of the lucky ones that wasn't, I don't have an addictive gene, I guess, because I tried everything. And once I tried it I, I particularly liked cocaine I really did but uh, and I never bought it people would give it to me so they could stand next to me. <laughs>
0: Yeah.
3: You know,
1: a, that's a I'm good confluence of
0: circumstances if you like cocaine and people want to just give it to you to stand next to you, that's what you know it's, it's
2: that sid vicious thing that I sort of experienced for a minute too, where it was like, I want to do heroin with Sid man <laughs> you know and and like after my book came out, it was like, I want to do K with James St. James, so like I never paid for it either so
0: <laughs> <laughs> which is good cause is a little expensive these days, just just <laughs> from, from what I hear i would I wouldn't know personally but <laughs>
1: So I, d- I did. I did a lot of uh, cocaine until the monkey study came out,
0: well, and well, it was the on point. the
1: national news, and they proved that it was addictive. Um, and I was so disappointed because everyone had been saying, "Oh, it's not addictive. It's not." A- that was the song that you heard yeah. everywhere you went. Yeah. But apparently, it is that the monkeys will do it, in t- instead of food, they'll do cocaine, so they die. And then I felt like you can't really do it <laughs> this is true and you know well you know <laughs> it's, it's the
2: marlena dietrich thing did she said uh, cocaine is an addictive darling i've no no, i've been doing it for years <laughs>
0: <laughs> and you were of course were uh, a new wave model or as um rick james might have said uh, one of those girls you see in the new wave magazines i think that's you might be the only person i can actually say that to. so i felt it was appropriate <laughs> uh and, and you were part of the la Roca agency Right,
1: right, right. It was actually the brainchild of an artist, Nikki Carson, and uh, he he thought that would be a good idea, and it was for a while. It was a good idea because we, that was
0: the advertising made quite heavy use, right, of the new wave looks. Yes. What were well, some? Of the, oh, go ahead, James. Well,
2: wait, I have because I do have a question about the looks in the movie because I I r- remember. That I remember 81 82 that the, the, the new wave looks and everything that was coming out and um I just I wonder how much of it was uh, the vision of a hyper stylized uh, stylist for the movie that then people were copying or was the, the the stylist copying the looks of the time which came first the movie or the style well, you
1: know Marina, who did the costumes yeah uh she would say it was it was Russian okay
0: right. no, yeah. oh so, yes so <laughs> you know what i'm
1: saying but uh, uh the makeup was done by marcel who who did uh, my hair for years before the movie came about and i would be purple or i would be red and black and i changed my hair constantly and i think uh uh there were different uh it, you know, there was different people doing different things, but it uh, the movie is also a little exaggerated because yeah. it's a movie.
0: <laughs> sure.
1: So the 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 the, the, the stylistic uh, uh, look is also to be more dramatic. So it's it's just exaggerated a
2: bit. Well, I wonder if if like if Steve Strange or the some of the new romantics over in in London, if they were copying the movie. Or if, you know, or it's I, I, I don't know if, if there were just those ideas that were in the air that everyone was grabbing at and pulling
0: down.
1: It's or- hard to know. Did Lady Gaga see Liquid Sky?
2: <laughs>
0: <Yeah>. <laughs>
2: you know, how do you know?
0: Right. Yeah. Yeah, it's true. <laughs> Dale Bozio, you
2: know.
0: Oh. <laughs> <laughs> well, in particular, I'm thinking of that one woman in the fashion show who has this yellow um, plastic. Oh, 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 yeah. Yeah. Um, sort of shield or yes. whatever behind her. Yes, yeah. Yes. Um and uh, the uh also in when did you first move to New York? And, and and would that be when you were talking about when you sort of dubbed yourself an androgene?
1: Oh no, I went I moved to New York uh to go to the School of Visual Arts and I graduated from there.
0: Did you and, have uh, a sorry, did you have a main focus that you were doing? Were you painting or was it Uh
1: I moved, I changed different things. I was doing uh uh video art mm. at the point when they needed someone to stand in for a camera exercise they were moving the camera and they wanted me to stand and move they were doing tracking
2: exercise. okay
1: so i did this and they said you did that very well you should come to this acting class so then i went to the acting class And uh, I did a lot of work there. And I thought, well, this is kind of fun. And they said I was actually quite good. So then I kept going to acting classes uh, and I didn't go to this at the school anymore. I went to the night acting classes, which would get out at two o'clock in the morning. And those were Bob Brady's acting classes. And Bob Brady plays an acting teacher (laughs) <laughs> in the film. Oh, okay. he plays Owen. Okay. He also did the casting Owen. or
2: something, didn't he? Or hmm? did What's he that do chance? the casting or something? Or He did casting as well. Yeah. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. So, um,
1: you know, it's all uh, interconnected that way. But uh, uh, I was always a painter. Before that, I did the, you know, and then I did some video art. And that's how I ended up in the. Yeah, you know, I was a painter. But uh, I'm a sculptor and I make small sculptures and, you know, you can see they're very strange. (laughs) I call, there's, I guess there's a set called Gargoyles, which you might find interesting.
0: Oh, that sounds good. (laughs) Yeah. And we can check those out on your website, anncarlisle.net or .com?
1: Carlisle Gallery.
0: Sorry. That, I just wanted to make sure that we really dragged the listener's attention to it. That's why I screwed it up on purpose. Uh,
2: <laughs> I, I do want to say, ask during this time, uh, were you a, a, a Mud Club Club 57 person? Did you go out? Were yeah, those- I
1: went to a Mud Club. I went to 57. I went to Tier 3. I went to a lot of after-hours clubs that I didn't even know the name of.
2: Was there like, was Berlin? like- Berlin? Was that one of them? The that- I-
1: don't know. I was out all night and I don't, I don't.
2: You were just wherever you ended up.
1: <laughs> I, I, I don't remember. It was a really long time ago.
2: It's and nice.
1: I actually lived at night. I would go to sleep in the morning.
2: Mm hmm. I remember waking up at nine o'clock at night and starting to get ready at like 10 or 11, getting (laughs) a bottle of vodka and inviting friends over and going out at two or three in the morning.
1: Uh, Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's what we did.
0: Because to go out at midnight would be far too early. And actually, after
1: a while, after a while, it became boring. I know that's hard for people to believe, but everything gets boring if you do it often enough. Oh,
2: yeah. And then you have to, then you just have to either intake your, or you increase your drug intake or get out. You know, yeah. it's one or the other. Yeah. To keep yourself interested. I
1: decided that I might want to live
2: good thing, and we're glad
0: you did. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Well, I mean, the nocturnal lifestyle can be appealing at first, but then, of course, you're not getting daylight. And you're also... It's kind of similar to people who get stuck in um, working restaurant jobs, and they only see the people they work with or the people that work at other restaurants when they go out to the bar afterwards or to the other restaurant that's closed so they can have drinks. You're seeing the same people. You're having the same conversations, I'm sure, et- et cetera. And there's only so much uh, that can be alleviated by drugs. Um, how many years would you estimate you lived in that night world.
1: Oh, that's hard to say. Because after the movie, uh, then I started to do things in the day because I would have a a photo shoot or whatever. uh, And I was sometimes in the magazines and they do things during the day. And then, but I had a girlfriend who was a new wave singer. So we also went out at night, but then I decided to go back to school. Uh, and I went back to, I went to NYU for art therapy. So I, I, uh, I chose a profession uh, and she wanted to stay in that milieu. So we, she left.
2: Did you always have a sort of, it sounds like you have a have a very strong work ethic. And that's probably what saved you from, yes. yeah. Absolutely. And you did you, even, even as a, a teenager and as a, you know, was when you first moved to New York, you were always focused on what you wanted and where you, how you were going to get it as opposed yes. to drifting.
1: Yes. I, I have a, yeah, I like to work.
2: Mm-hmm. I like
1: to, I like to work on, uh, uh, creative things and, Uh, challenging things so yeah that that's probably yeah that's probably what saved me I don't think uh, I don't think it's healthy to live for another person you know I love people but that's not that's not a healthy thing you have to live for some other thing like uh, because uh, people change
2: well when the movie came out i imagine that uh things got a little crazy for you and there was a lot of attention paid to you and it's it sort of head spinning a little bit in the beginning finding your
1: no in la uh, i felt head spinning like what is this <laughs> i just didn't know what was going on but um uh,
2: but did, did, did people go bananas for you when you walked in the club after the movie came out
1: well i was with my sister once and we went to a club and she said the crowd parted but i didn't even see it
0: mm,
2: mm, that's interesting
0: and your sister's yeah. in the film as well right i was she gonna played-
2: say it's sarah is it is it sarah carlisle yeah she lives with me now <laughs> oh, that's funny because yeah. when i was seeing the, the credits i saw sarah Kyle, and i thought i was really
1: you know the interviewer <laughs> oh yeah paula says paula says she has longer legs than y- even you margaret or something <laughs> like that about her legs
0: yeah. uh-huh.
1: she was so happy i wrote that line <laughs>
0: <laughs> well please tell sarah that we asked you a lot of questions about your childhood you know <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> well,
2: that's, that's funny but i i liked um, that you it didn't even notice because i guess it was probably something that happened and you had just become used to it maybe or that you were well,
1: you know i was always different going to the clubs and i w- was always dressed oddly not like everyone else so it wasn't a new thing that I got attention for the way I looked. Right. No, it didn't feel that different. No, um, I was maybe a little less isolated because people would then talk to me, whereas mm-hmm. before we didn't talk to each other. In the beginning. we didn't. We just looked at each other and posed together if we liked each other, but it was just a lot of dialogue going on there. You want some of this would maybe be the only
0: <laughs> <laughs> Oh, wait, is that Coke or K? Well, it's that sort of thing. <laughs> now, James, did you find that to be the similar sort of thing with the um, lack of chatting and all that? And also, I know that, you know, your uh, famous associations with certain people did start out as sort of... Um, not enemies but um, rivals if you will
2: um well let's see uh, you know I was never a standing on the dance floor posing person I always like to find the little dark corners in the in the rooms off to the side where I could really lock heads with someone and, and sort of you know i was always trying to find the most interesting person in the room and you know unlock their secret of why they're interesting you know sure uh, yeah. and so i was always trying yeah um uh, but yeah i mean there was always um there was some there was some tensions with some friends and competition that happened and people trying to outdress each other and out do you know get more uh, pictures taken or whatever i mean that was just part of the game i suppose
0: and i i'm guessing also that you felt some of the enmity that margaret in the film is shown feeling when you know you were say like either with warhol or someone else that other people would wish that they could be with or be seen with
2: um well
0: maybe, yeah, i I, mean, I could be wrong i'm not sure
2: I just maybe try and rephrase the question because I'm not sure.
0: Well, I think also uh, because you, you have such a sweet nature to you, uh, you do, you, you oh, know, you, you have like a lovely light that comes off of you and oh, you're wait, very inquisitive. that
1: during that time. We didn't have a sweet
2: nature during that
0: time. <laughs> <No, laughs> we did. Okay. I was going
2: to say that's something, that's an affectation that I've acquired over the years. Okay. So that's <laughs> me, <laughs> part
0: of my naivete. Okay. <laughs> 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 trying to look through. Okay, I'll that. I, mean, I was
2: that. a catty little bitch. It's
0: the,
2: a. There <laughs> Okay. Well, I was still was... on wheels. <laughs> so okay, so
0: maybe you were feeling the same kind of negative feelings towards others that I thought others might be <laughs> feeling towards you. Now, but about Warhol, uh, what and what was your feeling about the Warhol scene at the time? Did you ever intermingle with it?
1: Well, I think there's a lot of misconceptions about it. I mean, yes, uh, people wanted to be close to him. But most of those people were ripped off, you know, they would have some really good artistic ideas and he would just take them and put his name on them. Yeah. So they worked for him. And uh, Valerie Solanas shot him because he didn't pay her. He was choosing all her ideas and he didn't pay her. So she shot him. She, she was tired of being used. I mean, that, 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 that was like, uh, uh, and I know people who were from that scene, and the guy who was supposed to play the junkie artist, uh, uh, yeah, he 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 didn't he didn't uh, he wasn't able to. Let me put it that way. Yeah. So yeah. he was one of the Warhol people, and uh, I guess he kept waiting for someone else to recognize.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: You know, there's a certain recognition that happened if you were one of Warhol's people. Uh, yeah but but it, i I
2: think like I, like you talk about Valerie, and I know Holly w- was always knocking on the door, give me my yeah I need rent money, I need something and and she would dole out you know five dollars here, you know after you using her in a movie or Jackie Curtis or yeah, yeah. and all those girls, and they, they 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 were used terribly, and I mean they got yes. something in exchange i mean you right. you do get a certain cachet from having the warhol stamp of you know approval but i don't know that it was actually worth it in the end to to hook your wagon to his star you know
0: it seems like just from all the reading i've done and particularly digging into the diaries again that he had a very unhealthy um way of using money as a tool to manipulate people Mm -hmm. to either curry favor uh he would lavish money on certain people and then be very stingy with others uh really great qualities but also, it seems that in this scene, in general, in that era, especially, as evidenced by Liquid Sky, the best thing to do, and in any situation really, is not to hook your wagon to someone else's train, but to go make your own thing,
2: your own, yeah, your own star. I do think that probably what I remember of Andy, what I what I knew of him, and everything, I think he probably would have been a little intimidated by you, Anne. I think that you were probably. Uh, uh, a presence that maybe vibed with him. Oh, he
1: was shy. When I was with Ford, I met him at a party and I was introduced and he couldn't say a word.
2: Yeah, (laughs) I'm I'm sure that he was a little threatened, a little intimidated.
1: He didn't say anything. He he didn't have much to say. (laughs) (laughs) There's a very nice piece that he has at the DIA in Hudson. Uh, it's a fluorescent light piece. It's really one of the nicest pieces he's done. And I'm always wondering who did it.
2: Right.
3: <laughs>
1: I don't know who did it.
0: Yeah, right.
2: Yeah, and he probably wouldn't have remembered either. He probably assigned someone, you know, at one of the factories and then, you know, put his name on it.
0: Yeah, there might be a receipt, though, in his hoarder boxes. or Sorry, the archive. <laughs> um, but... About the the making of the movie, I want to also talk about uh, your collaboration with Slava Zuckerman and Nina. How do you say Nina's last name? Nina Karova. Nina Karova, and how that came to be? Because uh, I'm guessing that from when you were working on the video art stuff, and then I know you made a, a eight millimeter film after that. Yes. And, it's called uh, Fish. You're Fish.
1: really well informed. Where do well, you get this from?
0: <laughs> I like my uh, information. You know, James knows. <laughs> <laughs> I'd like to see fish. Is that available to, to view anywhere? No,
1: it you know it was super rate and it kind of disintegrated. Yeah, and oh. I tried to have it transferred, but it just didn't hold up. It didn't hold up, unfortunately. Oh, that's too bad. Um, uh, yeah. Uh, well, Slava saw fish, and then I was working with Nina, and her script was about orgasm. So then, when Slava wanted to work with me on a script about aliens, we—I guess that got incorporated
2: into Mm -hmm. you know the alien orgasms. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, (laughs) yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. So this, this, it just happened, and uh, it was a lot of hard work, but it's also a lot of fun. We laughed a lot when we were making
0: (laughs) and I think (laughs) that script. it's also fascinating to me as well the just the collaborative process that resulted in a script that has that speech that we talked about before that until i found out who wrote it i just assumed that that was something you wrote because it the lines are so blurred as to what is from you and probably based on your life and i think that that's a great achievement in something like you don't know sort of what is and what is not based on factual events
1: well, he 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 had the look from the outside that I didn't have, right?
0: Well, sure, a proper oh. alien. I mean, from Russia,
2: right? Well, I want you talk about laughing so much on on set and everything, and I imagine writing not was- on set, no, during no. the writing, no <laughs> one left on set. Right.
1: We were under so much pressure, no one, I couldn't breathe, (laughs) let alone laugh.
2: But but when when you're writing it, because it seems like there's some in-jokes there that I didn't quite, like, what the hell was the shrimp lady? What was, what, what, why was she, (laughs) what what the the fuck is she, that's the shrimp.
3: Okay, I'd like two orders of uh, shrimp fried rice, an order of uh, shrimp and pea pods, an order of shrimp with lobster sauce, and an order of jumbo shrimp.
0: I'm sorry, but I'll be right back.
3: Oh, don't expect me
1: to wait for you. I don't like cold Chinese food. I don't intend to start liking it now.
0: I'm sorry, but duty is more important than shrimps.
1: (sighs) Well, the duty is yours. The house is mine. And in my house, shrimps are more important than duty.
2: Like I know that there's a there's somebody had some shrimp someday or something happened, but I couldn't get it for the life of me.
1: <laughs> well,
2: I don't know. Uh, I, I thought I, it was funny. I I I just thought it was
1: funny because it, well, it is.
2: It's it, it's <laughs> crazy. Yeah. She's the
0: very very welcome light relief in the film, <laughs> and also again, this is a, we see all these different versions of courtship, and in this one. The guy is just not getting it. You know, the, the scientist, he doesn't get it. He's got to go over and get stabbed to death uh, instead of uh, having sex with the woman. You know what I mean? Like, I don't How's he, how he going to save Margaret? I don't know. But, um, you know, and she wants to go anyway. That's her Prince Charming up there, the I- Indian, as she says. Uh, but, um, and, and I forgot until this re watching because there's so much going on in the film that the woman uh, who is with that off the junkie failed artist who um, is, you know, dispatched with earlier by Margaret comes to like look for him like <laughs> I gotta get him back so there's a, a lot in the movie too about just like sort of as John Waters uh, wrote in uh, Female Trouble heterosexuality is a sick and twisted uh <laughs> lifestyle right is that in that <laughs> the, the line <laughs>
1: Heterosexuality what?
0: It, what is it? Uh Heterosexuality
2: The world of heterosexuals is a sick and twisted something. <laughs> oh, yeah. It's a sick and
0: twisted <laughs> life that's right that's what uh-huh. it is yeah that's right so, um,
2: oh, you know, one of the things that I, I would want to ask about, too, um, is the um, you're desperately seeking Susan, which now I have to go back right. and rewatch because I had forgotten that you were in it. And were you I friends have a there? very small, small part? Are you in the movie theater? I'm trying to remember where you what? what oh, I play it? the
1: girlfriend of Aiden. Oh, I'm, I'm taking all the stuff. Yeah. Okay.
2: Okay. okay. And were you friends with Susan Seidelman? Is that someone who you knew from downtown? I
1: didn't know her. No. I had been on a modeling job, like, and I got an eye infection, and my eyes were like slits. So (laughs) I asked to wear sunglasses, which is very weird when you're acting in a movie to wear sunglasses. (laughs) Uh But I, 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 I didn't know if my eyes they were they were shut you know, um. from an eye infection. Yeah. So I didn't know, but actually during the shooting, they started to heal but I had already started with the sunglasses. So um,
2: Okay, okay. I wear okay.
1: sunglasses during the sh- nobody does that. That's-
0: <laughs>
2: <laughs> no, but it was the 80s and it was, you know, too cool for school. I wear my sunglasses at night. It True. sort of made sense. <laughs>
0: and a few more questions yeah. about other Liquid Sky projects. What was it like working on Miami Vice? Memorable or not, I don't know. Maybe it wasn't. Uh...
1: Oh, they both hit on me, and I thought, "Oh, this is so corny and stupid," and I was nasty to them. I was very nasty. To them. <laughs> and, and they then, of course, they went out, and I wasn't invited because I was. I, you know, I really thought it was too corny for. Oh.
2: <laughs> and you were probably the only person to have ever been on the show and turned them down. Like they were probably so used to women throwing themselves at them that you, you probably floored them, and they're probably oh, still I, no, no. And, today. The,
1: <laughs> and the fellow that played the uh, what? Oh,
0: Philip Michael Thomas, the, Don Johnson,
1: Hispanic guy.
0: Oh, Edward James oh, Olmos.
1: Uh, he was a, such a gentleman. Oh, such nice. a nice person oh, good and him i talked to i thought he was a fabulous guy oh cool. that's
0: nice that's he good wasn't to trying
1: to slime me i yeah.
2: mean yeah
0: castillo yeah these good uh i'm glad to hear that
2: yeah that, that makes me feel good too <laughs>
0: <laughs> well i'm trying to oh and of course in downtown 81 which i haven't seen but it's so legendary oh. i guess i should bring it up
2: oh wow yeah I, you know, I don't even know where you can find it anymore because I was trying to watch it for for some other thing that I was doing because I'd never seen it. And it's,
1: it's quite a ways before, uh, you know. Yeah, that's really early on.
0: I'll uh, I'll see what I can do to find that, James, because you know I dig around in the dark recesses of the internet for uh, various things. So <laughs> yeah. I will check that out. And now before I've never we... seen it. Oh, okay. Well, I'll send it to you if I find it as well. Oh yeah, I'd like that. My pleasure. And I'm,
2: I'm sure Jean-Michel was probably just a, like an 18-year-old or 19. I mean, he must have been just a fetus <laughs> when he did it. Yeah.
0: Now, the uh, I heard something about Liquid Sky 2 as a possible n- project. Is that still... We,
1: yeah, well, we started on the script, and there was some interest, but, um, you know... People have to put money up and, you know, that's always the thing in low budget movies, right?
2: What if the aliens didn't, what if they didn't disappear into d- into dust? What if they were just beamed up into the, um, the spaceship and they've been in the spaceship this whole time?
0: And it's much roomier than anyone thought because, right? you know, space <laughs> stuff. They can, yeah. <laughs> And
2: then they're beamed back to Earth 40 years later.
0: Yeah, and they're like, oh my God, the rents. Terrible.
2: <laughs> <laughs> and the heroin is, is powder now no, no, this
0: stuff is garbage we can't even yeah <laughs> well uh it's been a wonderful time talking to both of you and thank you so much for all your insight and uh everything and uh, is there anything anyone like to add before we close out
2: I'm sure I'm going to think of a hundred things that I wish I asked the minute we go to bed tonight.
0: (laughs) I know. (laughs) I'm sure I will as well. Uh, And one last note about the financing. It is kind of one of those bizarre things where this film made so much money, right? At the theaters, it ran for weeks and months at a time. And I was curious about what the royalty structure was, uh, because especially then when it's hard to find out the information on that, uh, did... You and Slava and Nina. You know, the
1: trouble with low budget is that the exhibitors hold all the power, so they don't necessarily have to pay you for all these people coming to see the movie. Sure. Because you don't have a movie coming right back after it, like a studio does, and saying right. you better pay us for this one or we won't give you the next movie.
0: Right. So it's good to know that that branch of show business is just as ethical yeah. and uh wholesome as, as the rest as, of it yeah, exactly <laughs> well thank you both so much and uh, i'll let you know when this is up and um have a great rest of your day i appreciate it thank you and, thank, thank
1: you so, so nice, nice
2: meeting you. you i'm nice so to glad to well. yeah. be able to do this thanks today.
1: thanks I
0: thank you time. I go let's love you it to hear too uh, I'll I'll okay. sounds bye. good bye. okay bye-bye Hey, everyone. Now, this might sound like it's from the Body Double soundtrack, but it's not. What it's from is the soundtrack by Carter Burwell to Psycho 3. Carter Burwell did, uh, I think, The X-Files. Blood Simple. What did I say? Blood blood samples? Body double. Body double. I'm sorry. That's right. I'm a little woozy because we just taped an exhaustive movie club. Uh, and we, being myself and Jason Shahan, preeminent yes. um, film critic at the Nashville scene.
3: Yes, that's me.
0: <laughs> and old dear friend. And uh, so we just recorded that. And that's going to be coming your way very soon. How would you feel about it, Jason? I, it was great. I had a
3: blast. I always do.
0: Same here. So we're looking forward to you checking that out
3: taxidermy like is it is it a red flag is that is that a warning sign
0: you know i would say yes except i know that goth charlotte is i think into taxidermy but she's also into spiders and all sorts of stuff so i think it's a case-by-case basis but if you're not if you're unsure about someone you feel a little uneasy about them you see that they are taxidermists as a hobby yeah it's big red flag yeah (laughs) waving like bono at red rocks yeah (laughs) uh it's, it's a bit weird here's the weirdest thing about taxidermy as practiced by norman bates yes you take your spoon you dip it in the sawdust you pour the sawdust into the dead bird you fill the dead bird up then you take the spoon dip it in the peanut butter wipe <laughs> that peanut butter on a cracker that you then consume that's a big red flag <laughs> because you don't know, mix sawdust with peanut butter.
3: Maybe that's like a a thing that the kink community in the mid 80s (laughs) knew. Or
0: maybe, or maybe it's like the Southern thing of peanuts and Coca-Cola. Yeah.
3: Yeah. Yeah. Or
0: salting a beer.
3: But like sawdust, that's like,
0: hmm. You know, the spoon does seem to be pretty free and clear of the sawdust, but the fact that it's just probably touched the insides of this dead bird. Yeah. But they do show you uh, symbolically that Norman isn't just this crazy psychopath. Oh, the,
3: the whole thing with the birds are great.
0: Yeah, yeah, because he has these dead birds that he's he's uh, stuffing. And as he says in the first film, uh, it's a way of preserving them or something. Yeah, he doesn't want to yeah. hurt them, but they're dead already. So yeah. it's a way to keep them alive. And that is the sort of... Uh,
3: Although there is poison in the bird feeder
0: oh there is
3: i mean that's the thing because like all those birds come oh, in and yeah, they eat it and then right.
0: they, and they drop dead that's right yeah yeah but, that's the, right. but one of them survives and he lets it go that's right because that's what he's collecting at the front of the film yeah off the ground that's
3: how he makes his entrance wow <laughs> he's like stepping that's right. over to the birds that have just left, and it does not it's not they didn't actually kill birds on it there's like that i mean they they probably used tranquilizers But, I mean, they they did not actually kill birds on
0: them. Yeah, well, this was uh, long after the era where they would actually do horrible things to animals. Well,
3: I mean, in, in America, there's- Yeah,
0: well, yeah. Well, that's the only country, right? It's <laughs> <laughs> the only one that counts, pal.
3: Do you ever wonder how it would change the dynamic of this particular sad story of Arizona history if they had just put like a big beanbag at the foot of the
0: stairs in Bates Motel? <laughs> you know, it really would have changed Because there's
3: things. like three deaths that happened specifically just because of that staircase.
0: And the same shot. Um, Do they yeah. use the same shot in Psycho 2 as a tribute? Or I mean, because... I, I,
3: I want to think so. Because it's been...
0: clearly Perkins was doing yeah. some camera stuff deliberately in tribute. Oh yeah. To Hitchcock. Also there's really fascinating camera work. Yeah, yeah, In this. When There's 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 there's
3: like one scene and I it's it's towards the middle I think.
0: Is he talking to mother? Is this the one on the
3: Um well no, it's he's he's looking in the mirror but like you can't see his face. Uh-huh. You see that, like the outline of him, but there's enough light coming Uh, from the other side of the room that you see his face lit in the mirror but not in actual space oh that's cool and it's like it's so visually like it's the kind of thing that like you know it would only take him like maybe 10 minutes to like block it out but it makes such a visual impact on you throughout um, the
0: film there's moments like that uh like he'll step out of a pool of pinkish purple light and into green light and of course and color coding film stuff, yeah. Uh, that's how they call it in school, right? Just like um, uh, image, uh, image pretty more. Mm-hmm. Um, the uh, <laughs> the film stuff, let me
3: tell you something about image pretty more.
0: <laughs> so, like. when you do film stuff, you want to make the image pretty more, and yeah. and what you do is light pools, um. and uh, the, the light pools got to be full of stuff, yeah. So, with Michael Mann's Manhunter, of course, the color coding is green and purple, mm-hmm. unease killers uh, around blue it means the joker is nearby yes it does it does that, that's right that's right yeah and tom noonan pops out with his face fully made up and you go wow okay i never thought of him like oh, this oh god
3: if michael mann had made a batman movie in
0: 1986 imagine that oh, could you? that'd be great because dennis farina would have been in it yeah
3: dennis farina would have been alfred and you know like well i mean if we're going with the, all right so noonan is the joker yeah then william peterson's got
0: to be batman he's got and what's batman's real name again bruce, bruce wayne, wayne. Bruce, listen, you got to go out there and you got to clean up this town, okay? (laughs) Listen, I've taken care of you since you were a little kid and I love you, but you got to get off your fucking ass and get out there. No more cold soup, okay? No more (laughs) vichyssois. And he's smoking the whole time. (laughs) Of course. Yeah, of course. He has to be.